0: The Giant Thinkers. Giant Thinkers
1: Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hello, Giants. A massive welcome to you here on episode number 27. I'm Ram Castillo, and I'm incredibly excited to let this episode out of the bag. Whether you're a regular listener or a first-timer, thank you truly for being here. Now, the guest joining us was exposed to his first school laptop in grade four, started his first blog and entrepreneurial journey at age 11. And at around 13, 14 years of age in 2014, he created his now tech empire called 56 Creations, also known as the Lego of the 21st century. It's a build-it-yourself tablet and coding kit for kids that teaches hardware, software, and computer science. He's currently 16, still a full-time high school student, and runs his business by waking up at 4am every morning to connect with his team throughout Australia, the US and London. It's truly an incredible story of passion and commitment that people more than twice his age dream of achieving. Some of the things we spoke about include how he balances his double life as a CEO and grade 12 student, why it's important to educate third world countries about technology, how to upskill with life fundamentals that aren't taught in school, and insights on the jobs of the future. Before we get stuck into it, I want to let you know that my second book, How to Get a Mentor as a Designer Guaranteed, is so close to being finished, I can almost taste it. If you haven't already, please head to giantthinkers.com mentor to sign up for updates and you'll be notified when the pre-sale begins. A little sneaky reveal here, uh, it includes bonuses such as the chance to have one-on-one time with me and many other mentors, including guests who have even been on the podcast I would also like to uh, get you to sign up to the mailing list because there's an opportunity for you, yes, you listening, to be included in the book. Now I don't want to give too much away, but you need to sign up ASAP as I'll be announcing the mechanics and what's involved in that in the next few weeks, likely the end of June. A lot of heart and soul has gone into writing the book, and I can't wait to share it with you all. So again, head to giantthinkers.com mentor. Okay, enough from me. I bet you're itching to hear about this young gun, share his story. So I present the teenage entrepreneurial whiz shaking up the tech industry. Some have even called him the Steve Jobs of the next generation. Let's welcome Taj. Pabari. Taj Pabari, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast, mate. I'm excited to chat with you for so many reasons, one of which is the breadth and depth of achievements you've conquered at an age that most people have only aspired to, um, you know, that are twice your
0: age. Thank you. No, look, I think as we discussed before, success through association, you surround yourselves with awesome people and with the hope it rubs off on you. And thankfully, in my case, um, it did.
1: <laughs> Thanks for being here, mate. Um, so first off, uh, I kick off with an icebreaker question. Um,
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah, just to warm things up a bit. Um, what would you, uh, what What would be rather three words your parents would describe you as?
0: Oh, God. Um <laughs> Alrighty. Well, num- number one, definitely passionate. I think that's that's number one. Number two, creative. Um, and number three, I'd say committed. I think those would be the three uh, the three words I think they describe me as.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um, that's great. So, um, for those that may not have heard of you, um, where would you say your expertise lies?
0: In education. Look, I started. Um, I'm currently studying grade twelve. Started my first business in primary school. And I guess what we do with my current venture, 56, is all about education in both first world uh, countries and third world communities. So I think my forte really is education, youth development, entrepreneurship and computer science, that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: unreal. We'll dive into um, a bit about that um, as we progress. Uh, I think we should start with a little about your, your childhood. How did you grow up?
0: Sure. Yeah, look, in primary school, I was absolutely shocking, right? And From the age of, I think six, when we were in preschool prep, all the way till about eleven, I'd always be getting into trouble. I got suspended quite a few times, and I think by grade four, grade five, I was on the verge of being expelled. Wow! And what for? for Very a lot of multiple (laughs) different things. Right? It was just it was um, really like talking in assembly, throwing pencils, throwing paint, painting walls—really childish things. Uh, Okay. I did quite a few of them, which was. Rather unfortunate, but um, yeah, got, um, we received our first laptops in grade four and took a liking to it straight away. It was, I was 11 years old, 10, 11 years old, and took a liking to the world of ICT, the world of the internet, uh, that massive world of uh, technology, so just straight away. I'd be playing the latest games. I had the latest games installed. I'd always have the latest operating systems. I'd read about the latest tech on CNET, TechCrunch, Gizmag, that sort of thing. Wow. And while I probably should have been doing more productive or so-called productive things like learning how to type with, I guess, their typing software, doing fun mats, all of that sort of thing online, I'd be doing these, um, reading blogs, reading the latest politics, whatever it was um, on my computer. So got me into trouble, but absolutely loved it. Um, fears, or a few months into getting my computer, I thought, look, most of my friends are either gaming Oh, pretty much gaming. Most of my friends were gaming at the back of the classroom. That's what all the guys were doing. Would be playing uh, the latest cards, Halo, et cetera. And I thought, look, that's great. I love creative writing. I wasn't too academically focused um, throughout my primary school journey. However, I did like creative writing. I love narratives. I love that just writing new stories. And I, uh, as I said, I absolutely loved that ICT world. And I thought, look, why don't I put the two together, two passions, let's see what comes of it. So I registered a dot URL and started a tech blog for kids, by kids. Mm. Never supposed to be a business. It was just a bit of fun. Didn't think anyone was going to read it. It was just for me to, um, to, sh- to share my knowledge. And within a couple of months, I had quite a few of my peers transitioning from gaming to also writing for this website. We were getting over 100,000 hits per day from around the world from young people, from young people actually wanting to discover the world of ICT. And that was pretty crazy because we were the only ones on the planet doing tech books for kids. And it's actually written by kids. Obviously, CNET, TechCrunch, they were fantastic. They gave us a lot of information when we first started. And obviously, they served as our informal role models, I suppose. And With First Ones doing it, a lot of kids got interested, wanted to write for the website and um, yeah, $10 per day from advertisements, Google AdSense. And that was my first real taste of entrepreneurship, I think.
1: Yeah, unreal. Okay, so firstly, uh, for those that don't know what ICT means, uh, it's my understanding, it's information communications technology. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. Correct. So you had your taste of uh you know test drive I guess of of um, your first device in some instance um some way I guess the, the the computer, right? The laptop. Yeah, yeah. Um or was it the um the the touch touch screen device such as like a um an iPad type of thing or um
0: or it wasn't even then. It was just a, a PC. So we actually so in grade we got our first it was the the obviously not the best Acer computers and loved it obviously didn't happen to see anything different so it took a liking to it straight away. Okay. And that was my first review, I think. I'd take pictures of it with my dad's iPhone, took pictures of it, uploaded it to um, upload to the website. And then within after we started getting that media attention of other young people actually writing for it, a lot of people commenting, sharing, that sort of thing, big um, brand names were sending out test units and hmm. they didn't charge us for these test units. They were just happy to send it to young people. Uh, wanting to review it. And we we're reviewing these things. We're getting the latest tech every couple of months. Every month I had the latest phone, latest Jeez. laptop, et cetera. All we had to do was send it back when we were finished. They didn't care in what condition it came back in. <laughs> they just wanted us to review it because it's a bunch of young people uh, doing um, what, what at the time they thought it was awesome stuff. So, um, yeah, look, it was an absolutely crazy experience. Met some awesome people along the way learned heaps of steep learning curve, being able to manage a lot of kids, um, as well. So yeah, it's just an absolutely awesome experience as well.
1: Do you remember the moment when you sat down and took action in starting the blog? Was it just one night, one weekend?
0: Uh, I I started quite a few websites, I think. And I was just like, look, I've created, I was, I was just amazed by domain names. I was like, look, if I registered this dot books, URL, someone in say Taiwan or Cambodia can actually search up that domain. So it never, I was never actually started to actually get into business. I started because it was a it was a hobby, it was a passion and I just thought it'd be a bit of fun. So I never really started for that purpose. It was a bit of fun. And then when we actually got to the point of people reading it, when we saw that first comment of someone saying, hey, this is pretty cool, and when we put that um, live live tracker of how many people are on the website at one time, I was like, oh, my God, there are actually people who are actually reading the articles. I, I was writing this just for myself, but other young people were interested and were also interested in writing for the website as well, reviewing their their laptops they got from school, re- reviewing their parents' phones, taking pictures of it, and then happy to give, um, share the content to our um, blog community. So that was um, it was just that constant process of passion, people viewing, change that sort of thing, um, and then it actually turned into a business. So yeah,
1: perfect, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the thing that um, I'm, uh conscious of um, for the listeners and uh, have a sort of heightened awareness going through the process myself, um, starting a blog and not really uh, at all thinking or considering that it would turn out to be a business of some some sort is that, um, well, what can I blog about? And and I think that the, the beautiful thing about the patterns that um, you have, the things that um, other bloggers have done um, is that It really does come down to what, what other communities and marketplaces and interests that you you are, um, passionate about, you know, and interested in all those types of things. Um, and, and I think while people are trying to, uh, look at how they can be different, they often miss the fact that your ideas don't need to be different to make a difference.
0: No. Yeah. Um,
1: they just have to resonate with the people that you're trying to serve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. And you've done it so so
0: beautifully there at such a young age. What, eleven? You started that blog? Exactly. So yeah, it was, it was eleven years old. And look, as it was, um, it was a passion. We never set target markets. We never set target age groups. It was just doing what I loved, and thankfully did um, target a certain age group. There are other people just like me were also interested in finding out about the latest tech. They were confused by websites like Tech TechRunch, and wanted something a bit more, uh, so, a bit more easy to read.
1: So, quick one then: with uh, going from zero, uh, you know, fresh eyes, zero um, hits, yeah, um, to something a bit more substantial over a couple of months, what was it that got you somewhat of an exposure?
0: Um, to then create momentum for you. Yeah. Look, funny enough, we didn't really have any press, um, or media outlets cover that my first venture at the time, which, um, which is rather bizarre, right? like, um, we ended up getting this many hits of 100,000 hits within the first six months of a website, just organically, Um, organically. And it was all because one person must've seen it on Google, um, wrote, Hey, I want to write for this website. And it was just that paid forward effect. They thought, "Hey, I've written an article. Let me send it to my friend." That friend wanted to also write for the website, and they ended up, and it just flowed on from there. So it was really just a young people community. That obviously it wasn't in. It wasn't a Facebook group. It wasn't a Twitter group. It was really peer-to-peer sharing what they did, and it was because of all different regions around the world. They all shared their different bits. So whilst my school, my my peers had Acer computers, uh, other people. Had MacBooks, had Toshiba computers, had Samsung computers, and we ended up collecting. We, I think, by the time I ended up selling that website in twenty fifteen, uh, we had over I think three, three, four hundred articles that had been written on this website of all different products, which was, um, which was really amazing. That a bunch of young people, all under the age of sixteen, uh, between the ages of eight to sixteen, were uh, produced. the yeah, three, four hundred articles. And everything we didn't pay a cent for the URL because it's always a dot blogspot URL. Uh, Google, I still don't know how they did it, but when we started, we just got a crazy amount of hits because we were that dot blogspot URL Mm. um, of um, yeah. Look, it was all organic, um, no press. It was just that um, yeah, peers sharing, social media, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, valuable lesson there. You know, just leveraging other people's networks and um and creating. Uh, a sense of community, I guess. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that little bit where you've just said you sold it in 2015.
0: Yeah.
1: How was that, um, in some ways, um, a platform that allowed you to focus on, on 56 creations, which is obviously a, a big part of your life right now.
0: Yeah, sure. Look, I started 56 um, when I was 13 and a half, 14 years old. And the tech blog just sat there. People were reading it. Um, obviously, $10 a day was coming through. Um, at the age of 11, that was fantastic. So to clarify,
1: um, $10 a day you were getting roughly from uh, Google Ads? Google
0: AdSense, correct. Yeah. Okay. And look, at the time, 11, I was getting touch-up every day. I was, um, obviously, it was just a lot of fun at the age of 11. No one had part-time jobs and at the age of 13, my parents took me to an Anthony Robbins seminar. And in Sydney, we did the firewalk, the board breaking, the, I guess, setting That's the goals, awesome. the visualization. 13, you, you 13. experienced that. Wow. Okay. I did. And at the time, I was so hesitant to go. I was like, nah, too young. I'll do it in a couple of years. Because I saw a couple of his videos when they said firewalk. I was like, yeah, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but they ended up pretty much dragging me along. They booked the ticket. Your parents, right? My parents, right? yeah. And... Um, they're, they're massive advocates of his work. Um, they, when they first moved to the country, they went straight to him. And that's how they, they first started. And over the course of the couple of days um, with, um, with Anthony Robbins, this, the seminar slash concert, it was more like a concert than a seminar. And I set some really, co- really awesome goals, dreams, um, and desires. And I came to the conclusion over the course of those few days that the tech blog probably wasn't going to change the world. And that was the goal. I'd been inspired by people like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and a tech blog had been done before. It wasn't going to be the next big thing. And he really helped me discover that. So I got thinking. And as a child, when I was eight, seven, eight, nine, I used to play with Lego blocks and absolutely loved it. I had Lego blocks all over the floor. Probably wasn't very good at it, but loved it. And I came to the conclusion that, all right, well, tech blog, I'll put that aside for now. Why don't I work on 21st century Lego? So putting that passion of ICT and Lego together to create the Lego for the 21st century. And the result was 56. And when I started conceptualizing ideas for that, chatting to mentors that I met through the tech blog about um, about this website, about this idea, um, which has now turned into 56 creations, I found, hey, this could be the next big thing. This is going to change the lives of millions of children around the world. This is really going to get a new generation of learners to not just uh, consume and use technology, but to create and build it. And it's something that I think is really important. It's something that we're seeing is becoming an emerging trend with the new work order, with STEM skills, with uh, entrepreneurial sort of thinking um, and that idea. Um, Yeah, turned um, turned out to be the one. Cool. So, and
1: so essentially, fifty-six Creations is uh, the organization that you created, which uh, is essentially the the Lego pieces of a uh, computer, right? In a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's um it's as easy as a puzzle, as fun as a computer game. Kids snap in each component from the battery to the camera to the back casing, all of those different components snap it all together, just like a puzzle, just like building blocks. And at the end of it, they've actually got an Android tablet that they've built um, that's taught them about hardware. And then we've also got software to teach them about the world of programming, computer science, and entrepreneurship as well.
1: That's amazing. Uh, why 56, the name?
0: Yeah. Um, so when we started, when I started 56, we were tossing up with a bunch of names um, at the start and I wanted something really neutral. People are giving us these really techie names because they saw a tablet and which like tablet tech <laughs> will give you a really techie name. And I didn't want that. Uh, I wanted something really neutral, like Apple, super neutral, HTC, super neutral, and that's the type of name I wanted. Um, I also wanted a logo that uh, if a child could draw the logo, it's a good logo and it can be remembered. Mm. And spent months and months trying to work out, what do I name this company? we got some really exquisite company names, just didn't like any of them. And we ended up doing a bit of a service trip to India and Nepal. And we're up uh, with the Tibetan refugees um, in India. And we were with one of the homestay families because there's no hotels, none of that up there. So we're with one of the um, homestay families. And the lady said, I was asking, thought, look, why not? Last day, let me just hear what they have to have to say. Mm. and she said, all right, well, let me have a look at neurology. And she had a look through and gave us a couple of numbers. And when she said 56, so the numbers 56 in numerology mean opportunity. And when, when she said that, I was like, this is perfect. That's this fantastic. is exactly all we're going to provide children, the opportunity to learn about the world of computer science, entrepreneurship and creativity and naming our company, our vision is, um, is perfect. So, yeah, the name, uh, the name came from that.
1: How did you validate the need
0: for this uh, kit in a way? Mm. Um, first things first, I think the most the most valuable thing I think our all of our investors said, uh, team members, advisors, etc., was the fact that I was in the target market. I am still in the target market. Our target market is ages 8 and plus, 8 to 16 is um, the I guess the general age gap. And I am I was 14 when I, 13 and a half, 14 when I started. Mm. I'm 16 right now. And I think when we first started, uh, before we had the opportunity to talk to teachers, talk to parents, I knew exactly what someone my age wanted, someone my age needed, someone my age would want to purchase. So when we were developing how to pitch this to different schools, dip, pitch this to different parents... I knew how to do that. And I think that was so valuable having someone who is inside the target market because there are so many ed tech companies that are not just ed tech. I think there are so many other young companies around the world, around Australia, producing products for, for a market that they're not in. Uh, There are ed tech companies that are run by 40 year olds and look, they may be great people. They may be extremely sought after educational pioneers, who knows, but I think having someone in the target market, whoever you're producing the product for, you need to have someone uh, properly associated um, with, within your company, venture organization, who is in that target market. And for us, thankfully, the founder, which was me, was in the target market. And before we had to pitch it to schools, I knew what we wanted. And when we were going to schools, I was the market research of a living, breathing um, example of someone um, who had to do this on my own. I... And what we're doing with 56 is it's an out-of-the-box solution um, to the learnings I had to do and the learnings that are going to be required in the 21st century. Look, 75% of the jobs of the future are going to be STEM-related, so science, tech, engineering, and mathematics. Right now, I think it stats are uh, 25% of young people are studying STEM STEM degrees. So. Um, giving them an insight, giving young people an insight from a very young age, from the age of eight, um, the world of STEM, I think was really important. And we're doing that, um, in the form of a tablet computer.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, appreciate the, uh, the mission that you're on for sure. Um, especially, I, I think I, I saw a video actually online of you, um, visiting rural areas mm, as well, yeah, which yeah. Um, I think it's so cool, man. That's really, um, Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I really admire that. Um, because I feel anyway, that it's, that's where the, the real need is. It's, mm, yeah. it is, um, you know, it is attempting to balance the reach, uh, with which, um, opportunity can live in, yeah. in, in all areas of the world. Um, and, and that's, yeah, really admirable. So one thing that, uh, I can almost hear the audience, uh, asking in their heads, um, if, if I put them in, uh, if I put myself in their shoes is, um, you mentioned investor, uh, through some of that story narrative. Um, what, what was it that got you there in a situation where, um, you have gone through a process of identifying an idea, Mm. uh, potentially prototyping to some sort yeah. of uh degree. <laughs> that's actually a
0: funny story about prototyping.
1: Yeah, but go for it. Um, go for it. So just talk we'll- talk us about. through like how because I think a lot of people have ideas, but it's it's more about um the old the old question of, oh uh, I don't have either the time, the money, or the skills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right?
1: It's always going to be one of those things. And, sure. and I just want people to sort of not make that an excuse because of people like you who have found a way.
0: Yeah. Look, um, there's that quote, have the passion, take the action and the magic will happen. And I think, um, thankfully I had the people, um, first of all, had the passion definitely. And at the age of 11, when I started, I had no clue how to start a business at the age of 13. I still had no clue how to start a business. So having awesome mentors, role models who can guide you along the way for me, I had like those big mentors like Tony Robbins, who I just watch one of his videos and I'm in state straight away. I know what I need to do. I feel certain about what I'm doing. I feel committed to what I'm doing. Um, I feel passionate what I'm doing. And then also having those more local mentors. When I first, um, so um, I might, so, okay. So the first thing um, when I entered um, 56, so I had this idea, I went to a startup weekend. Um, i sure you're familiar with the startup weekend concept of that.
1: I'm not actually. You're not okay. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. So
0: it's um a 54 hour event um where creatives, developers, and designers come together to start businesses. It's um backed by Google um and they're pretty much they've got yeah startup weekends all around the world in most most cities. And went to the startup weekend the Gold Coast um when I was 13, 13 and a half years old, 14 to pitch this idea. Had no clue. I was I was a nerd. Uh, had never been to a networking event, did not know how to introduce myself, which is an issue with school. It does not teach you how to communicate. I'll go back to that later, but, um, had no clue how to communicate. So I walked into this networking event with, uh, yeah, with me, um, and a prototype tablet and started. So
1: you um, prepared that prototype. Did prepare a very
0: rough prototype um, of what I was doing. Um, out of, out of what? Out of plastic, um okay. it looked like a tablet was not a tablet um looked like one just told everyone it was out of battery um and it worked um
1: sure, so it was just a concept like it uh... was just
0: co- it was seriously a concept I man. it was um we we had a task at school um which was all about uh sandwiching different pieces of plastic, and mm. I thought, look this um I might as well take um instead of just sandwiching um pieces of plastic together to create nothing, I might as well create something that looks like a tablet so I can picture. And so cool. yeah. um, told everyone I was out of battery, um, looked legit completely, um, and walked into the event and said, all right, well, I'm pitching the Lego for the 21st century. I'm pitching a puzzle type thing. It pitched absolutely terribly on the first night. Um, as I said, did not know how to communicate, did not know how to public speak, did not know how to network. Yeah, it was like Let Shark, shark Tank. One. Yeah, oh, look, at least Shark Tank. Hopefully, the participants actually prepare <laughs> um, or knew how to prepare. I didn't even know how to prepare um, because I'd never been in an environment at school or we never actually put an environment where we have to pitch a product. Yes, we have English orals, but it's reading off a script or remembering a script.
1: Totally, man. That's, is, that's half um, the reason why I wrote uh, How to Get a Job as a Designer. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, so it's like all, all those
0: stuff. Yeah. yeah. And just learning how to communicate, look, networking is so crucial for anyone, whatever field you're going in, whether it's construction, entrepreneurship, uh, working for something. If you want to follow a traditional pathway, you still need to learn how to network, introduce yourselves. But that's not something school is even teaching, um, let alone even advocating to teach or a co-curricular. It's just not being taught. Um, and it's a cool experience. And through this weekend, we raised about ten thousand dollars from crowdfunding for this um, for this idea. With, uh, where where was the crowdfunding available? Um, so it was on it was on a local crowdfunding platform. I I didn't even know about Kickstarter, and there was okay. um, mentors at the startup weekend. So they, this startup weekend brings together uh, mentors um, who've been there, done that, um, other other small business uh, founders, etc. etc. And obviously, I was the young, I was one of the youngest there. I, well, I think I was the youngest there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you probably and, are. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think the second was nineteen. Um, and because I was young, they were just like, "Yep, happy to um, happy to help." So I got a lot of quality time with the mentors, and they were just guiding me, saying, "Look, this is how because you you pitch the idea on the first night in the form of a one minute pitch. Saturday, you work on it all day. You, if you want to go to sleep, great. If not, the office is open." And on Sunday evening, you pitch the idea again with your team that um, comes on board on the Friday night, and you pitch that um, in the form of a five-minute presentation. And with the help of some cool mentors, we pitched it on the Sunday night. We didn't win the award because we made more money uh, by the end of the um, weekend than the actual prize money of the of the event, wow. which was kind of cool. Um, and we were also told we weren't innovative enough which um is ironic but um yeah we ended up um coming in we didn't win honorable mention and that was I think by the end of that weekend I think um I was able to introduce myself it seems very petty but um I was actually able to public speak to a certain extent um I was able to introduce myself um which is not something that I could do before and it's not something that I was taught at school and it's not something we're still taught at school. I'm in grade 12, and we've still not been taught that. Um, so that was awesome um, and really went from there, took those same mentors. They pushed me forward, introduced me to some even more cool people, set up my LinkedIn profile with the help of some mentors. That's how I met my investor, my team members um, from around the world. So um, yeah, look, Started at the startup weekend, connections, built my LinkedIn profile, and from there built the network. They introduced me to investors, team members, advisors, that sort of thing.
1: That's cool. So I've just written a few things here because there's there's so many cool things you were saying. Um, The first thing is uh, what I advocate that a lot of the listeners would know um, I kind of bang on about, which is networking and mentorship. Um, and, and it's part of the reason why my second book coming out is, is called, um, how to get a mentor as a designer oh, brilliant! Okay, uh, for, for exactly these reasons. And I'm so glad you brought them up. Um, this was not planned for those listening at all. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it just really puts a spotlight on, um, two things. You've taken mm. action. You've, 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 uh, used what you have, uh, with what you know, um, being the plastic you had available to you at that class, the time that you had to spend, um, to create one plastic prototype. Um, you then put yourself out there. You you didn't sit there and go, I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, I'm going to have someone that's interested in this. Um, yeah, you, yeah. I think that's a very big thing that you did. Um, and, and now come to think of it, I have heard of friends going to, uh, that same weekend. I just didn't know it was called that. Yeah. Um, okay. and, and it, and they've also told me about the rapid pace of that and the excitement yeah, of that, the, yeah. also the brutality of it. Um, oh, yeah. but, but I think the, the beautiful thing about it is that, um, you've exposed yourself Yeah. and, definitely. and, and, and that's exactly it. You know, it's the old, um, you know, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. Um, if if you yes. know, yeah, if you don't um, uh sort of uh, throw yourself out there, you're 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 never actually going to um find out um what could be, and um the other thing is the public speaking uh, which is important for people to know how significant that is, yeah. in in sharing what you just said because if you for guys and girls out there uh, if you google Taj Pabari you'll see a ton of his talks uh one of which is uh, I watched was a TEDx is that correct
0: yeah uh, my first
1: your first I think TEDx. that was my
0: first to- I think that was my real first uh, keynote presentation that was not on my product so maybe not that one as the best example but um look I was that was that was yeah that was probably my first keynote presentation i think and it was the first one it was recorded as well yeah um and i think just putting yourselves out there that's um so the ceo of the foundation for young Australians, jan owen taught me a term called floning. so failing while simultaneously learning love it and i think just putting yourselves out there look failing is okay um society is just- who, who, who told you that sorry jan owen she is absolutely awesome one of my favorite people j-a-n
1: j-a-n owen owen owen, owen.
0: Absolutely awesome oh. human being. She's the CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians, the largest youth not profit in Australia. She is absolutely awesome, massive youth advocate, and she taught she she. When I first met her, she was just like, "You're an example of someone who's fluent," and I was like, "What is learning? Um, and what is like fluent learning?" And when she said that, I was like, "Actually, that is the best way to summarize um summarize, I guess, just learning, right?" Because Failing is completely okay, and I think society in this day and age is so focused on that end result, not the pro- end result, not the process, the fruit, not the tree. And I think that learning mentality is so important for young people, giving them that opportunity to fail, because generally when we fail, we most likely will not do it again. And we learn so much from it. It shouldn't be a negative thing. It's just a learning opportunity. It's just like failing an exam. When we fail an exam, we generally don't do it again. Um, and I think that's just really important. Um, putting yourselves out there, if you fail, that's completely okay. Um, you've learned a way just doesn't work. Um, but if you if it does work, look, you've got yourself out there, new opportunities could open to you and most likely will open to you.
1: Oh so, man, I could yeah. totally resonate with that. I mean, the the whole speaking thing uh is and has been a constant flourning for me as well. Um <laughs> I, I oh, certainly yeah. wasn't taught in any formal way or trained um to speak um, and and that's what i love seeing you know and yes you, you might say that that was your first talk and uh the ted x1 but mate like in context for well, how old were you when you did that talk 14 i think um yeah. so yeah. Well, yeah i mean honestly 14. like <laughs> i you know i just turned 30 last month so you know and i i started speaking um about Ooh, year and a half ago, okay. and and so yeah. what? What's that? Um, 15, 16 months, <laughs> and yeah. since then I've done thirty six speaking events. Um, twenty two were in the United States. Yeah. Um, so y- you know, it has been a very much a throw yourself in the deep end, <laughs> do yeah. what you can with what you have, what you know. Same thing, and then and and I I always um advise people to. Uh, focus on uh, what is it that the world needs that they can mm, give, yeah yeah, um, that they can uniquely give you know yes. their, their own truth um, their own truth barrel in a way, you know, diving yeah. into that because oftentimes the things that stop us from speaking, and i 'm sure you 've experienced this too, is um, that anxiety or, or that nervousness is actually um, when you 've pointed the lens. Towards yourself and conscious about what will they think of me? What will they think of how I look, how I sound, what I say? It, the, rather than thinking, <laughs> how can yes. I help and serve
0: them? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just you end up picking your own little thing. I get super petrified speaking, even still. I've done lo- probably about the same as you as well um in terms of um, keynotes. And every time I stand on a stage, um, until I feel completely confident that I'm actually going to influence the other person I'm completely petrified and I think we all have our different ways of doing it i see um Richard Branson thinks of it as having a chat to the audience mm. um everyone's got that different thing and I think just ha- discovering your little thing and that comes through failing learning failing learning failing learning And it's not something you can learn from a textbook. It's not something you can learn from a classroom, but that's something you need to learn through experimentation in that, um, on the stage, on that big stage, um, in front of a lot of people. So, yeah.
1: Just to, to wrap up this 56 Creations, um, part of the, uh, the show is how are your, you measuring the success of 56 Mm. Creations?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, Donald Trump, I think, put it quite well, look, money is just a way of keeping track. And I think that's what we've done as well. Look, money is important. um, And it's just a way of keeping track. Um, We can't look there. You can put milestones, you can put objectives of keeping track or measuring change. But I think the most simple way of measuring our success, our um, our ability to do what we do is through, um, through money. And I think Donald Trump got it straight. Well, it's not, we're not saying, Hey, we're a money-making machine. Um, yes, obviously money-making is very important, but also is giving back. And that's, as you said, we do that through going to different communities. We went to Kansas I think a month ago, um, a couple of weeks ago, we did Victoria a couple of yeah months ago as well. We've done New South Wales, we've done done India, we've done Nepal and doing East Africa very soon. So, um, yeah, look, just keeping track, um, the way we do that, the way we measure it is um, through money, um, but that is not the end goal. It's just a way of us to feel confident about what we're doing, to make sure we're hitting targets, make sure we're hitting goals and make sure we're actually doing something of value to, uh, to everyone.
1: Unreal, mate. So the question I'm sure that people are thinking about is about How are you running 56 Creations while juggling school?
0: Mm, Yeah, Um, it is a juggle, um, definitely. Um, So up up until I think eight, no, maybe actually 11 months now, I wasn't handling it very well. I'd be working in the middle of the day. I'd be doing um, meetings in the middle of the day. I'd be missing a bit of school. I'd be on the phone during school um, up until about 11 months ago um, because I've got people all around the world, we've got advisors, ambassadors, designers, developers um, in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, San Fran, New York, London, and a few other regions. So everyone's in different places and um, because of time differences, it would intrude with school time. Mm. Um, Up until about 11 months ago when um, I was reading a lot, as I said, success through association and I think... Met some really awesome people um, and we're just chatting to them about how they start, how they start their day, how they juggled some who were high school dropouts, some university dropouts and was just asking, whilst you were in those different places, whilst you were in high school, whilst you were in university, how did you juggle? And a lot of them were saying early morning, some were saying late nights and I tried late nights for a bit. I was doing late nights. I'd do all nighters. was totally wrecked in the morning. I'd go to school um, totally tired, just didn't want to be at school mm. and never, I just didn't think I was a morning person. I hated waking up every morning and I was just like, there's no way I'm a morning person. And one day I was like, you know what? Late nights are not working for me. I, I was unproductive because Facebook was always bleeping. LinkedIn was always bleeping. I would have phone calls coming in, um, internationally. And I was just like, this, it was just awful. Um, and, and obviously grade 11, grade 10 assessment. So I tried early mornings and work towards the goal of four o'clock in the morning, every morning, and it worked really well. And the whole team now wakes up, um, about that time as well. We get team meetings done at 4am my time. Cause I know early mornings, my time, we can, I'm always going to be available. Because I may have after school activities, I may have meetings, et cetera, at lunchtime at school. So at least in the morning, we know if I I will be there and we know most people aren't going to be um, away or have meetings that early in the morning either. Hmm. So we all wake up at four o'clock, Skype, Google Hangout, in person, whatever it is. And that's when we get most of um, our meetings and bulk of our work done because that's pure productive time. No one's awake. That means Facebook's not bleeping. LinkedIn's not bleeping. There are no new emails coming through. And the only calls coming through are from my team. So that's been absolutely awesome. That's how I've been juggling it. Um, sure. obviously, so,
1: so it's 4, 4 a.m. till what? Maybe 7?
0: It's 4 to 7. Um, some days I'll go to the gym, um, go for a run, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, 4, four till about 7.30. So, yeah, that's
1: cool. And, that, that that you know, you can be hyper-focused in that time and, I mean likely get so much done. So I, I, oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I'm sure that that's um, definitely the case uh, in terms of productivity. And so what time are you going to
0: bed? So I go to sleep. Um, I, as I was an all-night person. I always thought I was a night person um, up until I saw how unproductive I was because I'd, um, it's actually quite interesting. I think I'd recommend this to absolutely everyone. Um, a software slash app called Rescue Time. It really monitors what you do on your computer.
1: It's funny you say that uh the previous guest we had on which who you might actually know uh Neil Patel um okay. who yep. started uh Quick Sprout which is one of the biggest blogs in the world it's incredible right. yeah. um
0: uh he also suggested that <laughs> on the show <laughs> yeah look it's um it's it's very eye opening it's quite scary to be honest because I was looking at how much time I was actually on my um I guess my pages document my word document versus how much was on Facebook or LinkedIn or email, and it was phenomenal and i I didn 't feel like I was on that I was, I was on email that much because I just thought when emails come through five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, but those five minutes across an evening turned out to be a couple of hours, and the only time I was actually on my schoolwork was for a couple of minutes so um thankfully, with the mornings that's helped um, because I 've been able to identify that look this is school time, this is um this is this is my time. This is creative time. This is um, work time. I'm super creative in the evening. So when I've got a lot of creative things, I will stay up late. I'm super creative between 11 and 12, um, 12 at night, but cannot get any work done at that time. Yeah. So how
1: how do your parents think about um, this transition or slash lifestyle that you've kind of had to manage?
0: Yeah, look, um, mum followed a very traditional sort of pathway. She went to school went to university, did an internship, junior job, senior job, et cetera, and then started business. So um, she went through a very traditional sort of system. Dad, on the other hand, did not. Um, went to school, did a bit of study, did not go to university, started his job, and then started his own business as well. So he didn't follow a traditional pathway. Mum followed a traditional pathway. So she was a massive advocate of me, finishing school very well, going to, doing very well at school going to university, a good university, doing a degree, um, and then doing your average corporate job. And I think, um, look, if there are any young viewers watching it, a lot of super successful entrepreneurs that are uh, household names have said, For career advice, do not listen to your parents. Um, Look, they do as much as they've got your best interest at heart, they've got the worst career advice because they want the safest option, but that's not the best option. In your 20s, in your teens, you should really be experiencing everything. You shouldn't be locking yourself into one thing. Obviously, I think university, there is a time and place for it, and I think it is important. While school has been important for me, I think there is a time and place for it. Um, But locking yourself in your teens in your 20s you should really just be experiencing the world as I'm sure you've done as well experiencing everything making those mistakes learning and then really pinpointing what you want to do in life
1: yeah man I I couldn't agree more that's um well put and it is certainly a topic that um we can probably save for a a later episode maybe we get you back on um, (laughs) down the track in a couple years um or or whatnot Uh, and um the The thing about parents, I mean, it's such an important point. Um, What would you say to parents who are trying to, I guess, control or set parameters in uh, teaching their kids to balance screen time versus real-life interaction time?
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, um, balance is important, but we are, look, the value of knowledge in today's economy is not what it used to be ten years ago. Knowledge was so important. We ten years ago we were in a knowledge economy where if you had a degree, or maybe even twenty years ago, I think twenty years ago, if you had a business degree, you would get yourself a very well-paying job in in a business field. You would get yourself in a very well-paying job and say PwC, Deloitte, KPMG, etc. But today that's totally not the case. We are in a digital and innovation economy where young people need to be exposed to screen time need to be exposed to ICT the importance of digital literacy enterprise skills are so important for young people and taking away screen time some people are going to abuse it some people are going to game game do very unproductive things with their computers
1: totally yeah
0: yes there needs to be a balance with um how many how much games people pa- play but taking away the screen is is not. I don't think that is the right way of going about it. It needs to be. Look, gaming is okay. I think the best way of learning is through gamification, and that's what we're doing with Fifty Six. Um, we teach programming through game of through games. So they're still playing games, but they're actually learning a skill that is going to get them very, very far in life. Look, digital literacy is required. Three hundred. I think according to the Foundation for Young Australians, I think it was three hundred and seventy seven, three hundred and seven percent more, um, more needed in today's world, um, in the last three years, digital literacy. So taking away screen time, I think is just absolutely ridiculous. Children need to have, need to be able to, um, interact with ICT, play with ICT, understand it and also create it. So yeah, just expose it to them from a young age. If they game, that's okay. Um, let's just hope that they do, um, game productively at some point.
1: Right. It's the old, uh, use your powers for good, not evil. Um, yes, yes. And and yeah, it's it, it really is. You know, there is truth in that. It's the um, it's the understanding that, you know, or comparison rather to money, for example, that money is not evil. It's it's uh how you use it. And actually, yeah, Anthony yeah, Robbins describes money, uh, which is an analogy you can apply to anything really. Um, that uh, it, um, it isn't evil. It is a magnifier for. Uh, who you really are, yes, exactly, yeah. um so you know if you 're generous you 're obviously going to um, be more generous with that money um sure. uh, if you are a hoarding evil person <laughs> that <laughs> wants it all for themselves in a tyrant way, well then that 's going to amplify that with the more money you have and yeah, I guess similarly to technology, right? It's yeah. it's um are you using it for uh, a a purpose that is going to help the broader community or are you using it
0: uh, in a dangerous and abusive way? So Well, exactly. And look, they so in the UK they're considering some exams allowing kids to use Google. And look, because we're not a knowledge economy anymore, we don't need to remember um we don't need to remember the things like our parents did or our grandparents did and i think allowing young people just to explore experiment um learn with technology um, is required.
1: Yeah, and I think that, look the other thing here that has to be also mentioned or acknowledged that some, in some regard, is obviously the craftsmanship of, um, not even the craftsmanship, like the the artistic value of mm. of you know real world conversation. And I, I guess this just popped in my head because it was in the news recently about an app. That's soon to be released, uh, if it's not already. Where you speak into it in your native language, and it spits out on the other end. Mm, yes, the... I saw that today, Actually, right, exactly. It sp- spits out on the other end the language of your choice. So let's language. say, exactly. let's say yeah. you're speaking Cantonese, and you want it to speak French. You speak the Cantonese, mm. and then it'll spit it, spit out French, and it'll
0: speak in real the... time. It's in... actually, it's they've actually got a hardware component as well, where you put this earbuds. It's got a speaker. It's got a, a microphone. And just like a Bluetooth piece, no one would um, think it's anything else, and it spits out what the guy's saying in real time. So, incredible. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think I know I know what uh, because I can appreciate the 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 beauty in 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 uh, languages, the the artistic sort of um, uh, traditions and uh, history. In in language, uh in written form, verbal verbally spoken or whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, it really is a digital age we now live in and and whether it is it's almost like rather than thinking that the pie is being divided smaller, the pie is expanding. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, that's how I see it. It's not that that the appreciation is diminishing. Of the craft of people skills, face to face, or languages yeah. in that interaction space, I, I, I don't think it's that type of thinking in my mind. Um, mm. and, and I guess it's a it's it's a conversation um, that will be on the minds of many people as this transitions out into you know gesture based um, augmented reality, virtual reality, when that technology also comes into play more. Um, yes, you know, not leaving your 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 room you could be walking through a tour of the Eiffel tower. Like, you know, exactly. that's, yeah. that's a whole other thing, but, um, Hey, you know, it's again, it's how you use it. So, um, a question regarding, I guess the, the rapid exposure that you've had, you know, how does it feel to have headlines in the public eye that include, is this the next Steve jobs and um, <laughs> Aussie kid running global tech empire? Uh, what's where's your head
0: at with that Yeah look it's it's kind of cool um it's kind of cool to have people um look, at, at, at times it's kind of cool to have people um you're walking through a shopping center and someone's like hey i recognize you um cool. obviously to a certain extent um because obviously when you're with friends you want to just relax you want to be a teenager that's when it gets a bit annoying where um you don't want people to recognize you and it's just like no no that's that's my twin or that's someone else um and that stuff um look it's um it's stuff that comes with it i think that's just stuff that's inevitable um and it's given us a lot of um traction when we're actually looking at hiring people when we're looking at building our team building our customer base all of these i guess social media has been fantastic um with tv segments radio segments um articles that sort of thing yeah as you've experienced um i think we were on news.com the same day but um, <laughs> just the traction we get out of it. Um, I think, um, I'm sure you can relate with traction and the people that are interested social media, getting behind what you're doing, the support you receive, um, is, is very helpful as well.
1: Totally. Uh, do you feel that everyone should start a business?
0: Mm, yes. Or, or what, 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 what is your sort Big of, question?
1: Yeah. What's your, what's your personal advice for people who who have a business idea?
0: Okay. Um, Starting a business has taught me a lot about the world. It's taught me a lot about, uh, it's got me interested in a lot of things, from politics to the environment to some really radical things as well. So for me, start, for young people, I think all all young people should, uh, I think all young people should start a business where they want to do that post uh, post high school, post university, that whatever. But whilst they're young, whilst they're in the teens, I think they should start a business. Hmm. Um, because it teaches you a new way of thinking. It teaches you how to communicate and because school's not teaching you how to communicate business forces you to, you get thrown into a world as a steep learning curve and you don't have a choice, but to adapt you or, or you just look stupid. So totally agree you do adapt. Um, yeah. and so I think all young people should start a business, but obviously if you are and because we don't have any risks associated with that, when we're young, if we're at school, our main or generally uh, most young people's role or occupation is just to finish school as a student. Mm. So if you do have time to start something on the side, um, I know quite a few of my peers have just started it for the learning part, not for the money part. Obviously that carries a different um, sort of thing as well, but just the learning part of meeting people, learning how to communicate, learning how to public speak Um, for people older than that. um, Obviously there is that risk associated with it. Um, you don't have that freedom like a teenager of if it fails, um, as a, if a teenager has a business and it fails, look, that's completely okay. I'll just do well at school. But for an older sort of person, they don't have that freedom. Um, regardless, I think if you are in business, you just need to surround yourself with role models. Mm-hmm. People who have been there, done that. People who can guide you because you will, you just got to pick up so much from them. I picked up so much from my mentors so many mistakes. I've alleviated so many mistakes thanks to these people. Um so yeah, look, if you are in business, surround yourselves with mentors, role models, um, who can guide you along the way. Totally. Um, do you
1: have any advice for uh businesses that are established
0: who find it difficult to innovate? Oh. Um I think going back to the first point I made is having someone in your tuck if if you've got a product for kids. Make sure you've got a kid on your executive team. There's no point building a product for kids and no one wants it. I've, we've, we've. I've seen. I'm. I'm a student. I've received products from our school that they've purchased that they think would be fun for us as kids to learn. They're boring. They're just not good things to teach kids. And I'm, I, obviously, I'm talking about ed tech because I'm a kid and we're in ed tech. But there are so many other examples um, as well of people building products no one wants or people building products for a target group and they're not even in that target group or they don't have anyone associated from that target group. So just talking to people in that target group, making sure that they're happy to pay for it. Um, The other thing I've seen amongst small businesses is Getting market research from people without actually getting them to pay for your product. Because thankfully, when we first started, we didn't do any free trials. A lot of people have done that, where they say, "Oh, can you test my app for free? I'll give you the full version. I just need to test it." That's just rubbish. If they don't pay for it, if they're not even happy to pay for it, why would you spend money building it? If you cannot even get them to pay for half of your product, then it's prob- you're probably not even going. to Anyone wants it's to develop to pay for the full of it, or let alone half of it. So. Um I think pay trials pay testing um is um is yeah important.
1: Yeah they're great advice uh tips there. Uh it reminded me of when I read the 4 hour work week by Tim Ferriss many years ago. Yeah. Um would have been 8 years ago uh or more and uh he uh, states the same thing in that uh if you have an idea and you've got the prototype for it or the version 1.0 of it or whatever it's yeah. important that when you ask people um will you buy it and they say yes, uh tell, get a tell them here it is, buy it. Mm, exactly. <laughs> like yep, yep. get a pre-order. Yeah. I've got it here. Uh now yes. will you exactly. buy it? And and I think there's something to be said there by um by the demand and the appetite of, of that um product mm. uh as a clue to it's actual need versus its perceived need um and yeah. and to ask questions that are um open ended to to the audience um you know rather than going if we bought this would you enjoy it it's yeah. it's yeah. more well, hold on what's this, what's the question before that uh what is it that you actually need um that's causing you a a problem uh and where what what would a successful experience look like and it's so open that they're gonna you know like you you you, you've you've you the or you as the customer has poured in um actual pain points um yeah which is which is awesome so a couple more questions uh taj and um uh before we wrap up uh a question i ask most my guests uh which is funny because of the context uh, of this. Um, If you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to junior, junior (laughs) Taj, uh, (laughs) perhaps the Taj finishing elementary school. You can see why this is funny because I usually say uh, speaking to your junior (laughs) self in high school, but obviously you're still in high school. Uh, So what would you tell elementary school Taj?
0: Oh, um, well, I think it's first of all. I think it's important to acknowledge. I don't regret anything. I've made mistakes inevitably, but I wouldn't be here where I am today without having made those mistakes. And I think mistakes are fundamental to where um, you end up going in life. So, um, what would I tell myself? I'd probably just tell myself to just get my get my shit together mm. and keep on moving. Because um, totally. look, um, it's a, I yeah just just keep on going. Um, failing is is natural you're going to fail you're going to make mistakes inevitably that's okay just keep on moving just keep pushing forward I think that's the only thing I tell myself yeah I love it um I wouldn't want to tell myself any of the mistakes I've made I'm glad I've experienced them
1: yeah and and um I totally agree with the uh the moving uh bit because uh I've got a quote actually um tattooed in my head which says uh successful people keep moving and it's true like mm, yeah. you know you 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 keep iterating you go back to the drawing board you get up you go yeah, and you yeah. put it out it's not going to be perfect put it out there get it out you know it's, exactly it's,
0: ship it right and look the greatest feeling is progress Robin's tony robbins said that um every time you set a goal and you're always going to want more i know every time i've set myself goals at the start of the year, i re- reached them halfway through the year. Say, i always want more and i thought i'd be satisfied there so the greatest feeling is progress. You're always going to be feel happy with progress. It just no matter how small, as long as you're moving. So yeah.
1: Unreal, mate. Um, okay. So who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, you've already mentioned many, um, feel free to mention them again, but is there a particular person who has inspired you to think bigger, dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential?
0: Yeah. Um, look, um, tech mentors as I said before the people who I aspired to be in my field were Bill Gates um Steve Jobs and Zuckerberg mm. the people that I think have um inspired me um to dig deeper like their back end sort of thing of just my mindset have been Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins and Donald Trump I think I've just um taken a liking to both of those two people um with um with, the, with their journey um mm-hmm. look we're seeing. Um, obviously Trump has said some very silly things over the past um, couple of months, but if you look at his track record in business, yes, he has made mistakes. That is inevitable. People are saying he's not qualified to be president because of, um, his, uh, of his business failures, but that's inevitable. And. If you look at his charitable contributions, if you look at his charitable contributions to different fields, they're they're reasonably high. Tony Robbins has inspired millions of people around the world, and he's got that ability to put you in state. His voice has got that ability to put you in state, give you that maximum energy so you're in peak state all of the time. And I think those two people, um, from a back-end point of view, have really inspired me to think bigger, um, that sort of thing.
1: Nice. So, uh, what's next for you and everything you're involved in for this year and beyond?
0: Heading to New York at at the end of this year after I finish school for a couple of, for about yeah, twelve months. Um, see what happens there. Um, set up. Uh, I guess a decent team over there, bigger team over there. Hopefully, um, office over there in due course. Um, but it's just all about getting as many schools involved, getting as many parents involved in the products um, as possible. Um. So yeah, getting as many sales. Obviously, working with as many unprivileged kids. So your 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 target is schools, underprivileged kids, schools, parents, hmm. schools, parents of kids aged eight and up, um, primary schools, senior school, well, primary schools and middle schools, uh, and privileged communities. We like to do that. Um, every couple of months, go to the different communities, teach them, give them a couple of tablets, teach them about computers. So. Yeah, look, that's, um, that's, that's what um, we're going to be doing in the next yeah, so year, year or so. Most of the listeners are actually
1: from the United States, so it's going to be interesting to see the growth that you have over there. Um, have you penetrated the market yet over there?
0: We, we've got a decent, um, yeah, a, a good, I think a good 25% of our market is in the US. So um, obviously it's something, it's always been a dream of mine to live in Manhattan. So um, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's to come.
1: Mate, that's that's amazing, and I have no doubt that it uh, it'll happen in due course, uh, because you're still sixteen, aren't you?
0: I am. Yeah, yeah. So when are you turning seventeen? Um, when I get there, I'm only going to be seventeen. Uh, September. So I'm only going. To, I'm going to be there. I'm not even going to be allowed to sign the lease of my apartment. So, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going a bit young, um, but look, it'll be a good experience. Looking forward to it.
1: Hey, That's cool. Thank you so much, Taj, for your time uh, and sharing your incredible journey with us so far. Um, It's been such a pleasure having you on the show, honestly and truly. uh, And I wish you continued success and positive impact on the lives of all people of all ages, all around the world. So thank you. Thank you. There you have it, Giants. What an amazing episode with a teenage CEO who is mature beyond his years What astounds me is how Taj is ruthlessly and fearlessly forging his own path. I loved how he brought up flirting as well. The importance of making mistakes, but learning as you go. All of you know, I'm a huge fan of that. You know, not waiting for perfection, doing what you can with what you have. And age should certainly not be a limitation. It really does come down to how we respond to circumstance and getting out of our own way, in a way. Now, our next guest is a woman who creates mind-bogglingly beautiful art sculptures out of fruits and vegetables daily. She uses natural ingredients to nurture the mind and inspire sustainable creative living. She's been featured in more than 30 online publications and TV channels globally, including Food Network US, Better Homes and Gardens, Australia, NTV, Turkey, Observador, Portugal, Huffington Post, Japan, Mashable, Design Boom, Trendland, Beautiful Decay, Design Taxi, the list goes on. So stay tuned for that on the next episode. And one last thing before you race off, I'm sure you all understand the importance of getting a mentor, but many simply just don't know how to go about it. So my next book will serve as a way to cut the guesswork, get the shortcuts, see the blind spots, and succeed faster. Head on over to giantthinkers.com slash mentor to sign up to the mailing list for all the details of the upcoming book I'm about to release on mentorship. All right, Giants, that wraps up this session. I hope this episode really challenged you to reflect on how you can add value to the world in your own unique way. And as Taj said, if you fail, that's completely okay. You've just found a way that doesn't work.